Amid slowing economic growth and rising geopolitical tensions, what's top of mind for companies and investors? The biggest focus, as you would expect, is on the economic environment with a particular focus on inflation, a particular focus on the journey out of the pandemic and how that journey is affecting economic growth and activity. I'm Allison Nathan, and this is Exchanges at Goldman Sachs. In this special episode, NN Investment Partners CIO, Valentine Van Neuenhuizen, recently sat down with David Solomon, Chairman and CEO of Goldman Sachs, to discuss a range of topics from the state of the global economy and the investment industry to the background of Goldman Sachs' acquisition of NNIP and the growing importance of sustainable investing. We hope you enjoy this special episode. Welcome, David. Really wonderful to have you here today. It's a great privilege to talk to you. It's the first time you've been in the Netherlands since we closed the transaction between Goldman Sachs and NNIP. I hope the Netherlands are treating you well so far, but uh, really great to have you. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm delighted to be here and excited to be spending time today with the team at NNIP and, and obviously very excited about the acquisition and the path forward. Very good. The first thing is, is just a bit about Goldman Sachs. I think everybody knows Goldman Sachs. But Goldman Sachs' presence in the Netherlands has actually been relatively modest compared to its presence globally. So just maybe as, you know, next to the name and some of the key things that people will know, what else would you would really like to print in, in people's minds about Goldman Sachs? Well, Goldman Sachs has been around for 153 years and the firm is in a handful of principal businesses where we're very, very dedicated to serving our clients. Those businesses are investment banking, markets the sales and trading businesses, as people know them, asset management and wealth management. And then also we have a small digital consumer business that we're building. But I think the key thing that I'm excited about for Goldman Sachs and Goldman Sachs on its journey forward, we have some excellent businesses that we're investing in and we're strengthening, but we have four areas where we see real opportunities to grow and build our platform. One of them is asset management. And that's one of the reasons why the opportunity to partner with NNIP and have NNIP become a part of Goldman Sachs is something we're very, very excited about. It really significantly strengthens our asset management presence in Europe. It creates some new distribution channels for us. And in particular, NNIP, as you're well aware, because you've been part of the leadership that's driven it, has really been a leader in thinking through sustainable investing platforms and how to think about that on a go-forward basis. And that's something we've been very focused on. And this acquisition allows us to accelerate. So we're very set on growing the firm diversifying the durability of its revenue base. We're going to keep those capital markets businesses, but we're adding some more durable fee-based businesses across asset and wealth management. And we're excited about the opportunity we see in front of us. And we're going to try to do it in a way where we keep our clients front and center and really serve their interests very, very well. So that's very good to hear. I think that's also why there is such an enthusiasm with NNIP and, and the people of NNIP and the clients of NNIP over this transaction. And we'll touch a bit more on, on the prospects for asset management, but maybe first another question, also a bit more on your, your personal role in leading Goldman Sachs. Since 2018, you've been the CEO of the firm and clearly set some clear directions in terms of where you want to take the strategy for the firm, how you want to grow the firm, how you want to you know, further increase success of the firm. So maybe you can share a bit on sort of your, your key personal uh, or your key strategic elements that you brought into when taking over as a CEO. Sure. And, you know, I think I highlighted some of it at a high level, you know, in the previous question we were talking, but I think one of the things that you have to do as a leader in any organization is you've got to set a very clear strategic agenda that your team can really get behind 
and that your stakeholders broadly really understand. And we've tried to do that. The firm was a private partnership for a long, long time, and it operated, you know, in real shroud of privacy. And we went public a little over 20 years ago. But really, I'm the first CEO in this leadership team as the first leadership team to really lay out publicly a clearly articulated strategy to have an investor day and speak to investors in a very forward way about what we wanted to do. And our strategy was really quite simple. It was grow and strengthen the core existing businesses, find opportunities to improve their market share and strengthen those platforms, grow a handful of growth platforms that we thought could accelerate the firm, take it forward, diversify the business and make the firm more durable, certainly in the eye of investors and run the firm as efficiently as possible. And we've been executing on that for the better part of two years. And we feel good about the progress we're making. The environment hasn't always been consistent. We went from one environment. We did our first investor day when we laid that all out in February of 2020, just before the pandemic. Nobody expected the pandemic. Now we're coming out of the pandemic. Nobody's expected a war in Ukraine. And so there's a lot going on in the world, but the strategy and the way we're moving the firm forward fits through all these environments. And we take a long-term approach to growing the firm and strengthening the firm. And maybe talking about the environments that you have to operate in, and we all have to operate in, in, in the financial services industry, that is indeed changing quite rapidly. One of the key aspects of your role as the leader of Goldman Sachs is also to be very close to the clients. Client centricity is really central to everything that Goldman does. So if you speak to clients right now in this environment, what is the temperature? What is the key topics that they talk about that they want to get some guidance on or at least a clear dialogue on how to jointly navigate through them. The biggest focus, as you would expect, is on the economic environment with a particular focus on inflation, but a particular focus on the journey out of the pandemic and how that journey is affecting economic growth and activity. You know, there's a lot of debate around monetary policy and how that will affect the demand side of the equation and the demand side of economic activity. And also a lot of discussion about supply chains and the disruptions on the supply side of the economy and how that's going to get resolved and, and fixed and worked through. I would say that broad topic is the number one focus topic that you get when you're out talking to clients, whether it's CEOs or it's CIOs or it's institutions broadly or individuals, you know, to the degree everybody's interested in that topic. Certainly, it was focused on geopolitics, you know, right now, given what's going on in Ukraine, given what's going on in the relationship between China and the West. And so a lot of focus on geopolitics and the impact of geopolitics. Those would be the big picture macro topics that are getting an awful lot of attention. And then, of course, when discussing these types of topics, a lot of clients, although probably also acknowledging the unprecedented amount of uncertainty around them, are still looking for guidance, are still looking for what's going to happen on the next 12, 18 months ahead. What are you telling these clients? Is it even possible to give them clear guidance in the current environment? Well, there's a lot of uncertainty. And so I don't think we're in a position to tell them what's going to happen. But I think we can empathize with the fact that there's a lot of uncertainty out there. And, you know, we try to talk about things that we're thinking about. We're a big manager of risk. We're a big manager of assets. And when you have an environment where uncertainty increases, you know, as exponentially as uncertainties increase, given what's going on in the macro environment, you have to be thinking about your risk appetites differently. And so, you know, one of the pieces of advice that certainly, you know, I would give right now is that people need to expect that the world is going to be more volatile. It's going to be more difficult to make returns on assets than what we've experienced when money was very, very easy. We're tightening monetary policy. That's going to have an impact on asset prices. It's going to have an impact on demand. And so I think you have to be prepared for, you know, that volatility and the impact of that volatility. I'm not going to predict any outcome. 
but certainly we're going to operate with tighter economic conditions. Tighter economic conditions have some very direct and predictable consequences. We're here in, in The Hague. We're in, we're in Europe. Europe's been very close to sort of the latest tension in geopolitical sense with the war in Ukraine. What's your thinking about the European continent and how to, how to look at that in terms of its prospects being here also with the Goldman Sachs business? Is there any shift in how you look at that? Is it part of the broader uncertainty that we just discussed or are there some specific European elements that need to be taken into account? Europe's a big part of the global economy and the EU is going to continue to be a big part of the global economy. It's going to be a big economic actor. I think there's no question that the war in Ukraine is forcing a rethink on certain foreign policy positions that a variety of EU countries have taken, whether it's around security, whether it's around energy supply, whether it's around food supply. And so, you know, I think that certainly there's a resort of the geopolitical landscape that's forcing Europe to think more carefully. Now, by the way, it's forcing the US to think more carefully about a variety of things too, but it's just closer to home in Europe and it's a little bit more amplified in Europe, particularly given Europe's dependency on energy from Russia. And so a lot of that's getting resorted. You know, I think big picture, the EU will continue to be a very, very important part of the global economy, but there's a greater chance of economic headwinds slowing down economic activity in Europe in the near term than there is, you know, in the US, for example. And so, you know, I think we've got to watch that very carefully. I think the chance of a recession in Europe is higher than the chance of a recession in the US. I can't predict what that percentage chance is, But given everything that's going on, you know, I think there are headwinds to growth here that are a little bit more pronounced than in the U.S., but there are headwinds to growth in the U.S. too right now. So on Europe and, and the probability of an economic slowdown, can you elaborate a bit more what you think that really drives that? There's clearly some risks on the horizon, but why is Europe in a more fragile position, in your opinion, than, pro, for example, the U.S.? Sure. The big risk to Europe or the big thing that I think increases the probability of recession in Europe is the shifts that are going on with respect to energy supply. And so Europe is, as we all know, you know, very dependent on Russian energy. Given the war in Ukraine, there's a rethink and a resort of all of that. And that's going to create disruption. And it's also very inflationary. It also pushes prices up and it affects the demand side. And so there's no question with that pressure, you have to say that on balance, you know, the chance of a recession here in Europe is higher than in the States. I'm not predicting that it absolutely will happen. I'm not, you know, giving a percentage, this percentage or that. It's just that energy pressure, which is such an important part of affecting the demand side, is just more acutely disrupted here because of the proximity to the conflict in Russia and Ukraine. And at the same time, risks and uncertainties are often also creating new opportunities. Yes. So a bit more longer term. Yes. How do you look at that situation? Because, you know, the shift that's taking place where it's around energy security or the whole transformation that Europe needs to undergo. Do you also see some opportunities? Oh, sure. There are definitely opportunities. And there are, even when horrible things go on in the world, there are opportunities that come, you know, in the aftermath and the rejuvenation or the rebuild. And so there certainly are opportunities that come out of that. But I think we're in a period where uncertainty is very, very high. And while, you know, we're all navigating that uncertainty, I think a certain degree of caution or a certain degree of reigning in expectations is probably appropriate. We spoke a bit earlier already a little bit about asset management and the importance for Goldman in its future strategic plans and the growth opportunities. So if you think a bit about the opportunities in the medium term for asset management and the investment industry, what do you think are the most important themes that we need to focus on? Well, I continue. The primary responsibility of the asset management business is to produce good or better relative returns for its clients than 
you know, the benchmark you can get in the market for just putting a diversified portfolio into play in the market on a passive basis. You know, I think to do that, it requires resources, reach, scale, et cetera, on a much broader basis than it has historically. I think one of the reasons why I'm excited, again, about NNIP is it's strengthening Goldman Sachs scale and position as an active asset manager. It was already very, very good, but it's strengthening it. I think to really perform on a relative basis for your clients, you really have to be broad, global, deep, multi-product, strong across products. And I think we're positioned that way. I also think that the scale provides an access to information and resources and know-how about what's going on in the world that I think also can be helpful to investors, the investors who run the money inside these big asset management businesses. And I think that's one of the reasons why the scale is also important. You know, we operate in a network where we have great insight and great access. And so I think that also strengthens, you know, any asset manager's competitive position. Yeah, I think the scale factor is really a crucial one for many dimensions. The scalability of the business is significant. So also from a cost perspective and our our ability to really bring top-notch and really attractive product to clients, this is just indispensable. So a little bit even more close to the the actual transaction of NNIP, we mentioned a bit about the opportunities for asset management. What specifically excites you about what NNIP has to bring to the asset management division of, of Goldman Sachs? You know, scale, it adds scale, but what other elements are really, if you think about growing the business together, are really valuable in your opinion about the NNIP acquisition? Well, first of all, I'm hugely impressed by the people, their passion for what they do, their passion for serving clients. And Goldman Sachs is always bolstered and strengthened when we bring excellent people into the organization. So I start there. We're lucky enough to be partnering with NNIP and bringing a great cadre of people to team up with the Goldman Sachs team to be able to serve our clients even better. You know, I talked a little bit before about your sustainability platform and the work you've done around sustainability and offering products to clients that they're super interested in around sustainable investing. And that's something we've been very focused on. And so you help us accelerate that, particularly in Europe. And so I think we feel very excited about that opportunity. And I know that you're off and running on that. And that's really terrific to see. So sustainability is indeed, I think, something that is that is a massive opportunity. It's one of the transformational forces that we see running through the industry. Maybe not only through the industry, more broadly uh, through our for the economic evolution. So I think this is also uh, really, really a, something that excites the people of NNIP. They see that there is a, a clear leadership that is committed to put it quite central in the strategy of the firm at Goldman and uh, really excites the people to become a part of that and to have a bigger impact globally. So if you think about sustainability, maybe one in terms of the degree of impact that we can have, the things that, that Goldman can bring there. It's not a, you know, adding the expertise, but also the impact. I think there's what I learned in this first period that, you know, there's already such an amount of, you know, fascinating developments within Goldman that also complement what type of NNIP expertise is brought to the table. So it's good to share a little bit on those areas that are already happening on, on the Goldman side. Sure. And, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, you and I have talked about that I think is so exciting about this is you bring certain things to the table, but when you connect them with some of the resources and the investment we have around the world, it allows you to do even more and accelerate, you know, what you've been doing historically. And so we've always thought about ways that we can impact, you know, obviously we're very focused on climate, the allocation of capital to accelerate a climate transition, but we're also very focused on 
programs where we can make investments that spur economic growth, you know, broadly. And we've talked about small business a lot and our small business ecosystem and how much we've invested over time in supporting small businesses, which we think are such a vital part of economic activity all over the world. And that makes, you know, our economy much more sustainable, that participation. We've launched a program in the United States that I've mentioned called One Million Black Women that builds on that further to try to improve the economic prospects and the economic opportunity set for Black women through $10 billion of investment committed over a decade period of time. And we try to look at all this in metric and find ways to invest in our society so that we can make it more sustainable, we can advance it. And our resources and our commitment on that, the NNIP team, which has some very interesting things that they're doing, we can now connect that and that will create other new opportunities together. It's a great example of one plus one being worth more than two. Maybe to close, not specifically focused on a transaction or the business and growth opportunities, but something that I feel strongly about is really inspiring when hearing you talk about how to develop the organization and how to develop the people in the organization. And you emphasize the importance of being authentic and following your passion. And then, well, as being very visible as the CEO of Goldman Sachs, it is very visible that you also have a passion specifically for music. And a lot of people might might wonder how you can even find the time for, you know, following that passion. And I think it's very insightful also to understand why you think it's so critically important that, that you create somehow, even as the CEO of, of Goldman, the room to follow that passion. So what does the music passion mean for you? And, and how do you find the opportunities to still follow that passion? Well, I'm, I'm passionate about music. I'm passionate about other things too. But one of the points I make when people ask me about this is, you know, life's a journey. And, you know, certainly I have more time to work very, very hard and pursue a passion at 60 with kids who are 30 and 28 than I did when I was in my mid to late 30s and my kids were eight and six. If I remember back then, there wasn't a lot of time for the passion. There was time for for family and work and, you know, it evolves. So it's a, it's a journey and there are different things that you can do in life. I think one of the things that's important, and we run a very young organization, we have lots of people in our 20s here. You know, there are different stages of life when you can do different things, but having things that you're interested in, having things that you want to invest your passion, your heart, your brain, you know, and in being involved in. I think makes you a more interesting person. I think it keeps you stimulated. I think it keeps your brain functioning. And it's important that you find ways to do that throughout the journey of your life. And there are times when you can do it more. There are times when you can do it less. But you should always hold the things dear that are important to you and find ways to participate, to access them. And so, you know, I want to encourage that. I think it's super important when you work at Goldman Sachs to work hard, to be super competitive. But It's secondary to taking care of your family, taking care of your own personal health, your own mental well-being, and everybody's got to find the right balance for doing that. And so I've had periods in my life when I've done it really well. I've had periods in my life when I haven't, and there have been a lot of pressures. But I do think that one of the things that I can do is I can talk about it openly with people, talk about my own personal journey, and just give people room to know that it's not easy to navigate all this, but you have to take care of your family, you know, first and foremost, you got to take care of your health. And if you want to be successful, you know, in business, you have to work really hard and you've got to be really committed, but it's possible to go on a journey and figure that all out. It's not going to be a straight line. It's not going to be easy all the time, but there are different ways that you can make that happen. And it's important to figure it out on your own, what works for you. Well, David, thanks a lot for that. It's really been fantastic to talk to you about this today. Great pleasure to have you here. I hope you you'll come back in the Netherlands in a not too distant future. But I think like all of us at NNIP, I really, really look forward to working with you 
and make this a great success. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And I always enjoy it when I'm here and I, I will be back. But in the meantime, thank you for the opportunity to chat with you today. And we look forward to working together. We're excited about the future. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Exchanges at Goldman Sachs. But before we go, I'd like to share news about an exciting new project we've been busy with. Every week on Exchanges, I sit down with top Goldman Sachs leaders and thinkers to discuss how the most pressing macroeconomic issues are moving economies and markets. But have you ever wondered how other top investors are navigating today's market headwinds? In our new special series, Exchanges at Goldman Sachs, Great Investors, Allison Mass, our chairman of the Investment Banking Division, and Katie Koch, our chief investment officer of public equity in our Asset Management Division, will be speaking with some of the world's most respected investors about their investment strategies and views on markets and global economies. Catch this limited-run series on the Exchange's feed now. If you enjoyed this show, we hope you follow on your platform of choice and tune in next week for another episode. Make sure to like, share, and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or a recommendation from any Goldman Sachs entity to the listener. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Goldman Sachs to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Goldman Sachs entity.